This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm ready too. Welcome to Full Blast Podcast. This is a podcast on the Makery Network. I'm Jeff Fader and I'm psyched because my buddy, Steve House, Moonshine Metalwork, is here with me today. How are you, Steve? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm tired, but I'm happy <laughs> that you're here. I'm tired and uh, I, I'm tired because for a few reasons. One is, is because life is obviously for everybody. If this was just like, oh man, the it's flu season here in New yeah. York, that'd be one thing. But it's like pandemic season all over the world at the same time. I know. So oh. we're well. I was. I wanted to know what's going on in in England or where you are from. Yeah. What is going on? So, what's the t- climate of the of the people? It's it's horrible because it's this weird thing where there's. Like, obviously, there's a global pandemic going on, but right. there's half the people are just acting like it's, it's, there's, there's nothing happening whatsoever. And right. half the people are going absolutely nuts about it. And they're all clashing, they're all fighting with each other. And, and it's, it's horrible because you'll, uh, you'll just be in the shops and there'll be like someone that's wearing a mask and then someone that's not wearing a mask walks in and, and because everyone's British, they don't actually say anything. They all just stand there and tut and look at them and roll their eyes. And it's oh, it, really it's, yeah, it's it's crap. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of difficult for me because uh, my other half um, has a, a, a heart issue, so she's um, oh man, yeah. So she's she's kind of at risk. And um, I've had a few people that have been a bit blase about it all and yeah. uh and i've just kind of turned around and said oh yeah that's great and everything but if jazz gets it she's not only gonna die but she's gonna die alone in a hospital bed and i'm not gonna be able to go in and see her right and uh and it, it's amazing how quickly that just shuts a conversation down like because because they go from being like oh yeah it doesn't really matter to oh uh sorry like yeah yeah it's it's kind Hard. of a real thing hard facts always beat passion you know yeah, what i mean exactly you know it's, it's like I, I tell you we uh this weekend we my kids going back to school on thursday and it's yeah. going to be it's going to be uh it's going to be computer learning i guess mm. it's going to be they're going to be half and half so they're going to figure out a way to get the kids some of them to come back into school and they're going to break it up and something like that but the first month it's going to be all you know zoom meeting zoom classrooms and she's kind of bummed out and her son of all things her summer was perfectly fine except for the fact that she thought her mother was going to (laughs) die she thought everything (laughs) was fine yeah so we so we came up with this idea let's go on sunday we uh we just uh finished uh interviewing jason Knight on knife talk and we 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 ran in the car and we went we went to go to a a river to go tubing you know about tubing yeah yeah yeah. we get another thing and it was a very we don't go out anywhere. We got to get the groceries and stuff like that and maybe walk the dogs, but we really try to stay away from people. But it was such yeah. a bizarre situation going a little farther away and seeing people wearing masks and some people not wearing masks. And 
it was a very even the tubing guy the instructor was like this kind of redneck guy and he was talking he's like he was giving the safety instructions and he had like a mullet and he was you know <laughs> trying to make these shitty jokes and stuff like that and then when he was going down the list of important things and he, he was talking about don't you know when you're drinking on the yeah. bobo be careful with this and and then he's trying to make these jokes about you know like you know the indian scalping scalping people and stuff like that yeah. and he's just like careful with the you know be careful with social distancing and yeah the whole thing was so bizarre but because it was being around other people you yeah. know and we just got invited to and we today i just got invited to like a cocktail party and i just don't want to go because it's like <laughs> i just don't want i don't want i don't want to i don't want to I don't want to be involved with anything. I don't want to. No. I don't want to be get it. I don't want to give it. I don't want to be involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been like, I'm not. I'm quite a social person, but I, yeah. I don't like people. Um, yeah, especially not like large groups of people in that. Um, right. And and so this like whole summer, because obviously with jazz being high risk, we've just avoided all contact. And um, and this weekend is the first time that I've seen my sister for more than like more than just like me sat in the car whilst she's in her doorway and I've just shouted hello at her sort of thing. Um, yeah. And, uh, and she came around and we actually had uh, cocktails and crafts. Um, so I was making cocktails and my sister and Jazz, my other half, were uh, um, doing like some clay sculpture stuff. Um, and it was, it was great. It was so nice to actually be able to see someone. But as part of this, I had to go into... Uh, into town and and pick up some bits um, during the day, and it's the first time in uh, well since lockdown that I've been into a, a, a supermarket. Like everything that we get now, we get either from the local butchers really? or like there's a couple of um, like small shops nearby that we we go to, and you get like veg box deliveries, and that's it. And it's it, it's been phenomenal because I just I don't need to go to um, the supermarket anymore and right. it's, it was one of these things that even before lockdown we'd, we'd been saying oh yeah we should really try and do this more we should really try and do it more and and this is kind of like forced our hand but it was so weird being in a supermarket because yeah it was it, it's been so long since i don't it, it felt almost alien it was horrible so you haven't been in the supermarket for six months no that's crazy yeah i, th I think like the only things that i've we realize like the only things that we actually get from supermarkets is um like toiletries and right. that's about it like everything else we just we can get from like say the butcher or the green goat grocer or whatever um and yeah not having to go to the supermarket has been great because it means we can actually support like local businesses and 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 do all of this and it's like oh wait no this is this is the thing that we've been preaching for ages and we're actually like practicing what we preach like it, it's it's been really good to um to just be able to 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 do that and kind of like have that forced has meant that we've realized that oh this is doable this is perfectly easy we just need to plan ahead a little bit it's not doable in the united states or at least where i am no you know no because there's not there's in in my area there isn't a local butcher shop there, mm. the, you know, there was a butcher shop and a fish guy, and they they all went out of business a long time ago because they just yeah. couldn't compete, and because you know there, there there just wasn't that need here. And yeah. then a lot of times, a lot of these supermarkets, especially by me, they start to kind of like, okay, these people want some artisanal sausage. Let's bring some artisanal sausage in, and then all of a sudden, it's like the stuff that we're looking for is 
is there. So it's it's harder for us, but for me, it's been interesting just going to supermarkets because throughout from the beginning of lockdown to now, I've kind of like gauged society by how people are in the supermarket. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's been like in the, in, the, in the first week, people were like going in like hazmat suits. I mean, yeah. they were, and then everyone was like in a total panic. People were breathing out of plat paper bags when they get to the, that in the parking lot because <laughs> they're having like asthma. They're having like panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like it was, for me. It was like it was, I would have to because I'd have to get the groceries for not only my family but my mother, and I'd be sitting in the car like for five minutes before, just like psyching myself up to get to just go in and out. Yeah, you know. And but it's so I tell I, you what, it's it's fucking sucks. It really does. It, it, it's horrible. But like I think for for us, it's it's opened us up to these these things that were already existing that we just we kind of might use every now and then. But now we're like we're in the habit of using like um like obviously with um with working for Alex, uh, I'm involved because we do forged kitchenware. Like we get to work with a lot of really good chefs, and as well as the chefs, we also work with a lot of good. Um, like produce suppliers, so um, one of the companies, oh yeah, your connections, yeah, exactly, and and realizing that actually these people aren't just like um, uh, people that we deal with, like they they're actually businesses that we can use as well, right? So uh, there's there's one guy, uh, Cabrito Goat, um, and um, James, the guy that runs the um, thing, is is a really really nice guy. I've I've spoken to him and and eaten his food before. And uh, it wasn't until uh, a few weeks ago he pointed out that we, you can just mail order like cuts of of goat to be delivered, huh. and it all comes in this packaging. And and we were doing an event, and Al actually ordered like a, a I think it was a a leg of goat or something, um, right. and it comes in this cardboard box. It's all like uh, insulated really well, and um, all the packaging is um, environmentally friendly. It's all recyclable and everything else, and. Uh, Oh, yeah, you could order meat and have it delivered and not worry about it being off by the time it gets there. And um, and Coombe Farm Organic, who's a, another local uh, business, do the same sort of thing. Um, and it's like this this weird thing where now you can you can order these artisanal mm. products and this this really nice high quality food. And yes, it's a bit more expensive, but yeah, you know, if if I buy a, a big chunk of brisket from um from coon farm i'm gonna cook up a nice sunday run uh roast right. then the next day i'm gonna have like beef sandwiches and then the day after that i'm gonna do some kind of like uh barbecue sauce and mix it up and do like maybe right. a beef curry or whatever like and actually it it lasts for just as long it's just the fact that i'm buying one big chunk of meat rather than like going into the shop every night and getting cheap crap meat instead right but for those who don't know steve when he mentioned alex he wasn't talking about alex Steele. he's talking about he works with alex <laughs> pole um one of the one of my favorite people and groups of blacksmiths in the uk and uh, when he was talking about al he's talking about his partner in crime on the podcast the great podcast fools with tools that you should all be listening to <laughs> um i just want to i want to make sure we got that in there so yes. it, it, i don't know it's t i think but here's the thing we can kind of talk about food a little bit or whatever whatever you want 
there's a better history. There's a longer history about food and the, the sociology of food in Europe than there is in the United States. It just is. Yeah. And you, when you look at recipes and how in Europe recipes were were handed down generation after generation after generation, hundreds of years, same kind of stuff. There isn't that in the United States. You know, the United States, the indigenous, indigenous food is like, you know, uh, it's considered just Cajun food. You know, there's no yeah. really handing down, you know, indigenous, you know. And then once, and then once, you know, supermarkets came out and, and they were trying to get, you know, the, when, the, when <laughs> the feminist movement came out and they were starting to get more supermarkets and, but also, also getting food easier to prepare. Yeah. You were losing a lot of culinary tradition. You were losing a lot of people interested in cooking until the Food Network came back on. And, you know, it's one of those things that I've always been fascinated about. But, uh, yeah, we don't have that tradition of, like, going to, you know, making five stops, going to the butcher here and going to the, yeah. the, the green grocer there. But we do have a farmer's market that, especially in the summertime, we've been hitting every Saturday. I've been taking Saturday since the lockdown happened. I, I, yeah. I stopped working Saturdays and just kind of was there with my family and it's the best thing I've done in, in a long long time because we're laughing like we have these like little traditions we go get some coffee at the coffee house and we hit the farmer's market we we, we, we get as much as we can at the farmer's market it's been a lot of fun yeah I mean I think because for so I've I, I love cooking I've always loved cooking I used to work in um in hospitality when I was um younger and uh and I, I worked in there for years and I've done ev- every job that you can have in the hospitality industry I've done at some point or another like from from pot washer to manager to all the others as well and um and like doing that really gave me a bit of a passion for um for good food yeah and um and you know my my mum was a brilliant cook my dad used to enjoy cooking um I love going out for good meals I mean I'm very lucky that uh, that Jazz is an amazing cook, and her mum is a professional cook as well. Um, wow, look at you! And yeah, I know. And, and food's always like—I mean, if if you look at me, you see the size of me. You you know that I enjoy food. And uh, I've—I'm not—I have no idea, and I can't see you right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I—I've I, always enjoyed um being able to eat good food, and um, like, I think with the with the way that modern life is like it's so easy to go oh yeah but i don't have time i'm doing this and doing that and yeah you know, i i used to work in it and i used to work shift patterns and i'd i'd be working like 15 hour days get home and it was just i was just shopping for convenience right it was always just about what's most convenient what's most convenient and even when i started working for for alex we because we worked at a lot of festivals and we would do classes and and everything else and I, I wouldn't get home till late. Um, I'd like a lot of weekends I'd be away and it, it was very hard to find the time to allow myself to cook something good and, and like really spend some time making really nice food. And, um, and one of the mad things about this, this lockdown is the fact that it, it forced me to, oh, it, I, I had this like enforced time off. Um, so yeah. we weren't doing any festivals. We weren't doing any classes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't working five days a week or seven days a week or whatever. I was, you know, maybe going into the workshop for a couple of days and that was kind of it because we were trying to, um, trying to avoid having to go in there if we didn't need to. Right. And, uh, and that meant that, well, actually I've got time to, 
prepare a decent meal and to spend the time like looking researching recipes and trying new things and, and all of this um and that made me realize that i can still cook a really good nice tasty meal in half an hour like it just because i'm like it, instead of just bunging something in the oven and then putting the tv on for half an hour and then waiting and it's cooked like i can if i just spend that time in the kitchen rather than in the living room I can have an amazing meal that's so much more flavorful, flavorful, so much more, so much fresher, so much nicer, um, and that's meant that now going back into where I am going back to uh, like full time working hours and everything else, we're still making sure we put the time in to get decent food. Right. That's uh, yeah, and, and like yeah, so we're, we're, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're making sure we we put the time in to get this decent food and and it's it's kind of reminded me and, and like reinvigorated that passion behind why we do what we do and and the fact that we've you know the Alex Paul Ironwork is is all based around food so half the reason that we work there is because we're all passionate about what we eat um, right so yeah it, it just makes sense to be able to spend the time cooking and making sure that we're having good good food at the end of the day well here's the question here's a couple questions well, number one i want to get into how you met alex but the first of the thing is is I, something is that interests me that you mentioned is you like to eat good food and i've never i've had when I, i've i always felt that making sculpture making knives making blacksmithing and making food it comes from the same place hmm. it's taking ingredients and proper technique and then putting them all together yeah so like the idea of I like to eat good food, it's I think it's more like I just like to do things if it, if I do things properly, if I do the beef properly and the vegetable properly and I see them yeah. season them correctly, then it's naturally gonna be good. You know, I, yeah. I just <laughs> I, I find that I think that cooking is, you know, I love I do I do all the my wife can't cook. And it's fine. She's and she's she's happy. She's happy that I went to culinary school. She's happy that I cook. Yeah. She doesn't have to ever she'll never have to cook again. But I'm, I'm surprised about a lot of makers who um, who get involved in especially the culinary stuff, and they can't cook, and and it's almost to me like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, you need to know how to what you're doing. Otherwise, how can you how can you know if something works or not? I see I see some of these guys, and I, we were actually we were talking about it a little bit with Jason Knight on, on Knife Talk. I've seen some guys. And they are whooping up on a carrot, and it's like, what are you doing? I don't, and, 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 and I and I'm the first one to say that with the knife guys, and I love you. I love you all. Peace and love. Peace and love. And I know that the paper test is good, and the in the in the paper towel cardboard test is real good and stuff. But we're not eating paper cardboard for dinner. You know, yeah. I want to see some. I want to see some people cut. You know, make some food. I, I do like. Um, there's a few knife knife uh, sharpeners. Uh, this guy Kasumi Kev. He does a lot of knife mm. cutting. He does a lot of cook uh, cutting and cooking and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm fascinated by. I'm glad that you who deal with a lot of culinary stuff have a passion for cooking. And and uh, what I really want to know is how did you end up meeting Alex? Uh, so I the. How I actually met him is I, I literally just put a, um, a search in Google for for local blacksmiths. Like one of the things that I see um, online so much with new blacksmiths is them going, 
uh, going on about like, oh, I want to learn this, but oh, right. there's there's no one near me, and it's like well, there there probably is. Like blacksmiths aren't as rare as you think they are. Yeah. You just need to to put a bit of research in. Um, but I, so I got into blacksmithing quite late on in life. Um, I I took a course when I was about eighteen, um, and it was like one evening a week for six weeks. Um, That's not early in life. I, well, the, 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 this is what I mean. Is I did this when I was eighteen. Oh, okay. Loved it, um, and was determined that I was going to do more with it. But then I, I was eighteen, and I was working in the hospitality industry, and I had the opportunity to go live in some cities and run different pubs and different bars and start doing cocktails, and then go and run another pub in a different city, and just got completely sidetracked with that and then ended up going into the IT industry and that was great because you know every six months I was getting a, a promotion and a pay rise and right. loving life and uh, and I just kind of I, I let making in general fall by the wayside like I just didn't I uh, I went to my job I earned my money and I went out and I I spent my money and um, it was uh, a few years later I I I realized that I just I wasn't happy I wasn't satisfied um the the main example that I always end up giving is I I was in this job and I took a week off work because I was ill and uh I went back in um probably a bit earlier than I should have done and uh, I went into the office and I uh, I just didn't do anything for the day I just I I still wasn't very well um but I kind of felt like I should be back in in work, but I just yeah. I didn't. A lot of people do that. A lot of people feel that way. Like, all right, yeah. home. like I should be getting it back together. Exactly. Um, but I just spent the day not not doing anything at all, and uh, and at the end of the day, my manager said, "Oh yeah, cheers, Steve. Good work today." I was like, "Good good work. I didn't, I didn't do anything." And um, and the next day, I I didn't do anything, and I basically spent an entire week and just didn't do any work and no one noticed no one noticed no one cared you know as long as i was sat at my desk and looked busy no nobody really noticed and uh it was so incredibly disheartening and it just it it put me into a real funk and i was like well what what's the look at you with the ethics look at you with the ethics of the funny part is you have the ethics of of feeling like these people are terrible but i didn't do shit so <laughs> so what am i mad about am i mad that i didn't do shit or these people didn't see me doing shit yeah it was, it was just <laughs> horrible to ethical think, dilemma yeah and it, it just ended up being like well is is you know am, am i that unimportant that people don't even notice when i'm not doing anything and um and yeah so i i, I ended up in a bit of a funk and uh i ended up uh taking another blacksmithing course i um I knew that the the company that I was working for had just been taken over by a, a different company, and we knew that there was redundancies coming. Um, it was it was a case of how long, not not if it's going to happen. It was just when. Um, and I I basically made this plan that I was moving to. I was going to move to Canada. Um, I uh, I was twenty nine at the time, so the way that the like the visa system works over here is I could have got until you're 30 you can get a one year working visa for Canada so it's like I'm going to go over for a year on a working like a holiday working visa um, I'll find a job I'll work my ass off I will like 
I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that I can get that extended for another year. And basically my plan was move to Canada, live there. Because in my head, it was, oh, it's because I live here. That's why my life is terrible. Not because I was doing an awful job that I didn't enjoy. Right. Um, so I, I made all these plans to move there. And just to kind of keep me ticking over, to, to keep my brain active whilst I waited for all the things to, to fall into place. Yeah, and and basically waited to be made redundant. I um, I took this other blacksmithing class, and it was another, you know, six weeks, one evening a week sort of thing, and uh, and I loved it. I absolutely fell in love, and I kind of found that well, actually, I'm, you know, I'm able to pick this up relatively well. I I kind of know what I'm doing. I understand these techniques. It this this stuff makes sense to me, um, and I just I. I completely fell in love all over again and it made me think well i know when i did this when i was 18 i loved it why why am i not doing like why, why why did i ever give this up why did i let life get in the way when this is something that genuinely i really enjoy and i want to do more of it like i can get passionate about it and um and so i did i did this course and i i went out and i bought myself a uh a, a coal forge um i I got my first anvil, uh, which that's a, uh, I'll tell that story <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I went and got this, this anvil. I, uh, I set up a few tools, um, and I was working out of my garage for a bit, but it was because it was such a, it's an English garage, not an American garage where you can fit like eight cars into it. You, this is like, you can barely fit a mini into it sort of thing. Right. Um, so I had to drag everything outside to Ugh. be able to light up. So it was, you know, just to get the forge lit up was an hour's worth of work sort of thing. Um, but I was really enjoying it, so I kept doing that. Um, and then I I took a couple of um, blacksmithing courses with a couple of different um, blacksmiths, like travelled around a little bit to, to go and attend these classes and um, and got hold of, uh, of Alex by, like I say, I just searched for blacksmiths in my area and there was a couple that came up um, I looked at his website and his Instagram feed and went, oh, I, I quite like what this guy's doing um, and dropped him a message. And it was basically just, can I come and visit the workshop just to see what you do, meet you and and um, and see what's going on? And uh, at the time, this was the middle of uh, festival season for him because um, we, as a business, we go to a lot of festivals. Um and he basically said, right, well, I'm going to be at the River Cottage Food Fair um, on this date. You know, come and introduce yourself, say hello, and, and we'll have a chat. Um, and River Cottage is, uh, it's a UK um, thing. It, it, it was a TV show uh, by this guy that um, lived in London, sold everything up and moved to the countryside and like started a little hobby farm, self-sufficient thing. Um, it was big about 20 years ago and it's just grown into this massive uh, business um, and uh, it's very kind of food centric food based yeah. uh, business so they've got like restaurants and things all over the country now um, so I went along to the food fair met Alex was petrified because the guy's like six seven yeah, he's a big and, fucking dude yeah he is big dude built. <laughs> Um, he can't when he when you guys stopped in my shop, he looked like he he looked like he was a pro he could have been a problem. <laughs> he looked like he'd be a problem for somebody. Yeah. 
and, and that, that like so I I meet this guy and I'm like okay this is you know he's quite intimidating but you know he was very nice very friendly um, and it was quite good because I got to go around and see all the food stuff as well and like spoke to him a little bit about that so he he knew that I was interested in um, in the food stuff and at the time the Alex's business wasn't as food centric as it was as it is now this was around the time that he realised actually he's gonna start focusing more on food and again i think like one of the videos we go into that in a bit more detail um but uh but yeah so we started uh chatting and i kind of said is there any chance i could come and maybe work for you one day a week or something um because at this point i had um i'd met jazz uh realized that she is fucking amazing and cancelled all my plans to move to uh, Canada because I didn't want to leave her and I was like well I'm going to do more blacksmithing I'm going to make this work somehow and spend my life with her um, I'd been made redundant and oh was, you were okay right. yeah sorry yeah I, I kind of skipped over that bit yeah. uh, so the redundancy had come through uh, I had picked up another job just working in a in a, in a garage um, doing like services and basic maintenance on cars um, if you, but, you have that experience too, uh, well, <laughs> so it was. I'll keep you. I'll keep you squared away. I'll don't worry. I'll get you back to yeah. Alex. So I yeah this uh, this garage job. I um, it was a family friend who runs like oh, a, okay. a motor factors slash garage um, yeah. slash second hand car dealership, and uh, and I knew that he was looking for drivers to just deliver the parts around, and I was like that would be oh, a nice okay. easy you know it's a it's the kind of job where i can just switch off i don't need to think i'll go in there right. and be fine um so i went in and was like oh if you've got you know i i know you're looking for a driver is there any chance i could get that and and because he knew me because he knew my a bit of my background he was like well i i grew up on a farm and uh he was like you, you grew up on a farm didn't you 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 know how to handle a spanner and i was like uh, yeah like i've i've worked on tractors and stuff before but i'm no mechanic sort of thing he was like oh no that's fine we can teach you we can teach you um and uh yeah the next day i was in there changing oil filters and stuff like Got that it. and and within a couple of weeks they were um it, he's the kind of guy that he'll just say oh can you uh can you just change that oil filter and then can you just uh can you just change the clutch on that car and change the gearbox on that one and completely rebuild that engine and you're and i'm like uh yeah sure i guess um and luckily the other mechanic was there and i could always ask advice but it, it, i mean cars it's are a perfect situation yeah cars perfect are basically situation. big mechano sets it's fine you just take it apart and figure out where it goes back so um, back to alex your 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 jazz was the the light of your life and she yeah. got you she convinced you she didn't even need to convince you your situation was so good as canada's out yeah alex is in Jazz is in, and now yeah, so Moonshine I, Metalworks will now blossom. Exactly. So okay. I, I ended up going for this this interview at Alex's just to right. uh, just to try out to see if it's worth having me in for one day a week. And um, I go in, and like we've already said, Alex is kind of in, an intimidating guy anyway. And uh, he just, I go in, he gives me a load of bits of like eight mil round and just says, right, just make some three inch tapers. I was like, well, okay, that's that's fairly easy. And I'm thinking he's going to stand there and kind of watch what I'm doing. But he basically gave me the stock and then just walked over to the other side of the workshop and started working on something else over there. I was like, uh, 
okay, and I'll just carry on. So I start doing these um, these tapers, and then he comes back over and he's like, uh, no, don't don't hold your hammer like that. Hold it like this. Don't don't do the taper like that. Do this. No, you're doing that wrong. And he he just like he'd go off and then come back and tell me about something else I'm doing wrong, then go off again and then come back and then go off, and um, and so I ended up making like 15 tapers or something, uh, and finished up. And I'm just a bag of nerves by the end of it. I'm like I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. He's he's hates everything I've done. He's done nothing but correct me. I, I I'm definitely losing this job, and um, and it, all it was is he wanted to make sure that. A, I could make a simple taper, which I could, um, and B, that I could take instruction and that I wasn't yeah. overly set in my ways. Um, and that was it. He just went, right, okay, well, we'll get you in one day a week um, just doing simple stuff. Um, and from that, I ended up uh, working with him as like a teaching assistant. And that was the best way to learn ever yeah. because it just meant that not only was I getting like a free lesson every time there was a class and I was, you know, I started off just making sure that like controlling the fires and, and moving stock and just keeping an eye on people and making sure everyone was safe, just acting as a second pair of eyes. Um, but I'd also then have to start fixing mistakes that the students were right. making. Like, oh, let me just, I'll straighten that taper out or that's one started to twist. This is how you fix it. Um, so it just meant I spent the vast majority of my time fixing other people's mistakes, which meant that when I made a mistake, I was A, I was able to fix it, but also I could spot it before it, it became catastrophic. Um, so yeah, I like did that and really quickly learned and then ended up going with him to festivals and doing like have-a-go sessions at festivals and things like that and um, becoming part of the business. And I mean, the the role that I'm in now with the business has is, is changed again um, as the business has grown and, and expanded. But it, it was it was a dream job because it meant that I was I was working um, in a, a a production workshop where you know that that means that I might have to make say a hundred skewers a day, which is you know uh, two hundred tapers in a day basically. Um, so it's a lot. Um, yeah, hundred square tapers, hundred round tapers. It's which a lot. It might sound awful because it's oh it's so repetitive, but it's the best way to learn because i'm just yeah. practicing basics all the time um and it just means that i'm always on top of those those simple things that make um make a big difference i mean i i think i uh i've said it to people when they've asked about uh blade making i'm pretty sure you've said it on the knife talk podcast as well like the the best way to to learn how to forge a knife is to just make a hundred nails like it's those simple basic techniques that really Im- improve um the more advanced stuff because it's that whole run uh, walking before you can run thing. Um, yeah, but you don't understand. These motherfuckers don't want that. I know. Nobody. Wants I'm to telling you, in. the biggest, the 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 best and worst thing that ever happened to makers is YouTube. No offense, yeah. because know, yeah. it's <laughs> because because it's given you like instead of having to read books and you know the first books I, when I first started forging. And at the Center for Metal Arts, I had to get a Jack Andrews book, the, edge, the New Edge of the Anvil, and that was the only thing I could really see. And then, the, I mean, I really wasn't looking at YouTube videos. There yeah. wasn't a lot of instruction, but it, the instruction was always like shitty pictures and dudes just, you know, yeah. doing something. I was just like, I don't think this is right. 
<laughs> and then and then you'd have to read books and shit, but you'd have to really do it yourself. Nowadays, and especially with you guys, and I, I wanted to say right off the bat, and I've said this a million times, I don't think anyone makes better instructional YouTube videos than what you do at with Alex on uh, your YouTube channels, The Forge. Thanks, man. I don't think anybody does any. I don't think you do, and you don't even have to want to know how to do it. The problem, the best thing that you guys do is the videography is beautiful, the lighting is good. My favorite shots are it's very kind of like blue gray. The background is a blue gray, yeah. and then there'll be like this ray of sunlight, and you'll see like the dust particles flying through the <laughs> sunlight beams. That's my shit. I love that yeah. shit. But it's like it's great. I mean, it's really, really. You don't even have to have words. It's very easy. You can understand what you're doing. I remember watching the bearded axe and be like, "That's how he does it," and oh, that's <laughs> what he does, and that's how he does. So the the best thing is is you get something like that. The worst thing is, is these people now all of a sudden you have all that information super super quick, and you kind of want that to absorb directly in from into your brain through your hands. Yeah. And they're not they're not they are, they don't understand they don't understand. I was talking to we're talking to Jason Knight. He was working like a dog for years yeah. and years and years to get this shit right, and now he just put out this great video, which is awesome definitely worth the it's called forged uh, yeah. the forged online series 50 bucks can't get better than that yeah but people just wanna people just he's and he broke down all the problems he had and you now it makes it easy but people think oh i can do that yeah but, the, but unless you do it you just got people are too impatient well this is why this is why we do um when we go to festivals we do like have a go sessions and and it's a 15 minute session uh of making a forged now right. and that includes like our demonstration and um, and like the safety talk and everything else. So so it's a super super quick session. But the reason that we choose um, a nail is because it's um, I mean a it's it's kind of a traditional thing of you know that's the first thing that most blacksmiths would make and, and all of that. And there's there's a lot of history and, and folklore that goes with um, forged nails. Oh, you mean like but, Jesus? Well, no, I, I, as in like just. <laughs> just um, Blacksmithing nails in general, like there's a, you know, there's a, or a Uri Hoff. He used to talk talk about like you gotta gotta watch those. Yeah, you know, the nail. You know the nails came from right. Easter should be the blacksmith holiday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> where do you think you didn't go down to YouTube? You didn't go down to the Home Depot to get those nails. We're just you know zip ties. Yeah. Blacksmith made that shit. I mean, exactly. I don't mean to be blasphemous, but yeah, you know, facts and, are and facts. Th that's always the whatever. like when, whenever you've got um, a, a bowl of nails for sale. Like the first thing that people do when they pick them up is. One person will ask, "What's this for?" And someone will always make a that joke. But um, but yeah, so yeah. like there's there's loads of reasons behind why we do it. But the, the main one is it's really really easy to right. make a a something that looks like and is recognisable as a nail, but it's really difficult to make a really good, nice, clean, um, like perfect nail. Um, like even just putting the head on, like we reckon. About one in a hundred people manages to get a like put the head on the nail that's anywhere near symmetrical for never like, doing it before. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's too hard. Exactly, it and, looks too e it looks too easy. It looks that, too easy, and that's the problem. Yeah, but that's that's what's beautiful about it is when you get them to do it, they come in and they're all cocky, like, oh yeah, this is easy, right. and they you know they start forging out the taper and they realize, oh, this isn't as as easy as I thought it is, and then when they try and put the head on it and it just goes ends up going over and they've got this just L shaped roofing brad looking thing um they go oh well just in that 15 minutes i now have a new appreciation for the fact that this is actually quite difficult and and it, it I, I i kind of tend to find that like the 
the simplest, cleanest things that um, that you produce, like the simpler it is, and the the less room there is to hide mistakes. So doing yeah. those simple little things like that is great because it means that every misstrike, every mistake you make is is glaringly obvious. I fight all that. I fight all. I fight all this stuff because I I was you know talking to Cliff Dufton last episode and everything yeah. that he does and, and all these guys is like perfection. It's infuriating. It is well, but at the same time, it also comes from I think with art and with craft and all this stuff. I think your style develops based on what you're used to. Yeah. Like the, I'm I'm like I constantly am thinking about where everything came from and a lot of it had to do with my background is the way my dad painted and the way I paint and then. I just happened to be my be the student of Uri Hoffi, who his philosophy on forging is very similar yeah. to my dad's philosophy on painting, where allowing the humanity to come out, and it's like totally antithetical for me to have these really really clean uh, forgings, just because of yeah. like I'm just I'm just super I have to relearn it completely. Yeah. But the funny thing is, in regards to people saying, you know, I can do this is I was at Doghouse Forge uh, right before the, the shutdown, and I was teaching a class, and these guys came in. These guys come in all the time. Just, uh, uh, J- Jonathan Porter has says he's a couple mm. of these guys. They come in all the time. Guys come in. You know, they were just like, you know, regular dudes, nothing special, and they came in with these sledgehammers. <laughs> and they were they were, they were were Alex Steele yep. uh, sledge, uh, four-pound four hammers. I guess he, yeah. made, he made some four-pound hammers. And I'm just looking. They might have been closer to five. They're a huge. They were like yeah. enormous. And I'd never seen one of Alex hammers in person, just because I just never had. I never seen it before. Yeah. You know, I understand the Brent Bailey style. I understand the the, the Brian Brazil style. I, I like seeing, you know, where things come from, and especially yeah. the hammers. I enjoy it. But I was like, I was looking at. I was. I said, let me see that thing. And I was picking it up. I was like, God, this is a heavy hammer, man. <laughs> and I'm used to like the maximum. You know, I started out with a three pound hammer, and then as I'm getting older, I'm enjoying. Like I'm. I. Th- I, I think I listened to. I think I listened to um, Alex Pohl too much. He's like, he likes. A, he likes a smaller yep. hammer. And I was just like, you know what? I was talking to all these older guys. You know, Fred Christ and all these, <laughs> and 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 Lynn Ray, and they're all swinging these two pound hammers. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you fucking around with a three pound hammer for? <laughs> so these two guys come in with these like monsters, and I'm just like, there's just no I'm looking at these guys and like I just don't see you guys using these all day long like, don't worry well we, we've done this before and, and I, I tell you they ended up going to from four pound hammers to one pound hammers within yeah. five minutes and it's because your eyes are bigger than your stomach you just think that I can do this I see it I can do it yeah you know, Alex, Alex steals like one of, you know a buck a buck 35 and you know um, five four <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was yeah. just assuming. I saw stand next to him one time. He came up to my, came up to my chest. He's a little guy. <laughs> he's swinging around that big old hammer. Yeah. And talking while he's forging. That I've seen you do too. A lot of these guys don't realize when if you can. That's the trick that you do. You've done. I've seen and it annoys yeah. me. And Alex Steele does it where he can talk normally and swing as hard as he can without sounding out of breath. It yeah. makes these guys think that it's easier than it actually is. <laughs> It would be like running, yeah. full sprint and talking in a normal voice. It's impossible. Because I mean, we, we, we get it with uh, with a lot of students. Because uh, obviously not at the moment, but normally we teach. Um, we've got a, a dedicated workshop for for classes. Um, we can teach up to eight students at a time. Um, everyone's working off coal. Everyone's got their own forge. Everyone's got their own anvil, and um, and we do these classes. And it always makes me laugh. You get people that 
come in and you'll get these guys that you know they've watched forged in fire they've watched right. some alex Steele videos they think they know what they're doing and they'll come in and they'll pick up the biggest hammer they can find and they're like oh yeah i'm gonna move some steel really really quickly and uh and within like even if you go up to them and just say like just so you know you're probably going to want to change down to a smaller hammer and no 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 i'm fine i'm fine, I'm fine. okay that's fine yep yeah, you you go for it and in under an hour they're covered yeah. in sweat they can barely pick their arm up and like you say they've got to go down to a one pound hammer just so they can lift the it blisters all over their hands exactly and it's and it's the, the thing we is, don't have is, a go ahead i'm sorry sorry i was just gonna say like if you if you swing a two pound hammer fast and you've you know you flick the wrist you 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 use the full length of the handle and if you think about what you're actually doing with it if you apply physics to it you can get much more force using a smaller hammer and you can also hit quicker you can hit more accurately like these guys swinging these big hammers if they do one miss strike and that's it they've got to spend five strikes getting that just getting it back to square one sort of thing steve humanity has gotten too soft this is the problem. This is the problem. If you think back, you know, nowadays, I mean, it's it's still shocking to people to see people be a blacksmith. Yeah, it's still shocking to people. But back in the day, that was the number one job around. Yeah, you know, we made everything, yeah. and and now we're sitting around on on Instagram and and Facebook, and we don't even want to go to school anymore. We want to we want to re want to look at memes <laughs> to learn about how things are. Yeah. And we've gotten too weak and it's getting worse. I think I, we're getting dumber and I think we're getting weaker and stupider and angrier. I, I, I mean, like, moving away from, from blacksmithing, when uh, I was I was re-listening to the episode that you did with um, uh, Jesse Ueda, um, I guess yeah. it, and, uh, and hearing you guys talk about um, uh, the restaurant industry was, was brilliant. And one of the things that I always notice with um, with you guys over in the States, you always refer to it as the service industry. And over here, it's always called hospitality. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and to me, I would never call it the service industry because you know, I, I spent years working in it. I was never there to serve someone else. I was there to Be invite hospitable. them into our premises. Oh. I was there to make sure they had as good a time as possible. But there was a line and... If you overstep that line, I'm I'm sorry, but the customer is not always right. I will quite happily tell you, no, actually, you know what? Leave, get out of get out of my premises now. I do not want to serve you if that's your attitude. And and I've done it so many times, and it's it's this thing where people become so entitled that they expect to, if they kick up kick up a stink, then you know, oh no, I'm so worried you're going to write me a bad Yelp review. I don't care. Fuck off. Yeah. Like if you're going to be rude to my staff, you are going to leave. That's that's it. That's that's the end of the line. Like I I'm not going to stand here and let you insult my staff. Or like some of the the stories I hear of these uh, re- referencing the the second one you did with John, like the Karens in the world now. It's yeah. oh, I can't I can't deal with those people. I tell you what. I tell you what. I I love the fact that you said that the different the differentiating service industry from hospitality business. Because I know a lot of guys who who do you know upper echelon upper guys who've been like in the service industry for a long time. They call mm. it hospitalities, and I and I think that 
It is a you know it is a, we've been lackadaisical with our terminology, but there, just a w- one quick story is in this in in my town I'm friends with a lot of the restaurant guys and you know I just I I I believe in what they're doing and I and I and I like feel for them what they're going yeah. through and, and there's this guy that I I I just kind of like on Facebook I I didn't unfriend him I just. I hit him. I just don't want to hear him from him anymore because yeah. he's like he just posts too much. Like I'm not interested. Stop. You're, <laughs> yep. I, you're you're too much. It's too much. So my, one of my friends at one of my restaurants says, "This guy, you know this guy?" And he, I was like, "Yeah, I think I, I think I know him on Facebook." He's like, "You know what he's doing? He's going out to all the restaurants and rating their their COVID nineteen service." <laughs> and there he's going up he, he's in the he's in the health department he's not with the yeah. state liquor authority not with anything to do with anything other than he's he's coming in and grading everybody based on who's wearing mask and how far away are everybody and what's yeah. this and it's become like it's like we had it enough and then he's rating it yeah on facebook he got it on you got a whole list of all these restaurants and who's doing right right and i saw this guy do this and i saw this guy do that and it was like my friend, and if I'm reading, I looked at it. And I was just like, this just seems like we got enough problems right now. Yeah, we don't need we don't need this like restaurant Yelp vigilante going around and kind of adding to the the agita that's already here. Yeah, you know, it's I'm, just it's fucking terrible, dude. It, it's it's the fucking worst. And the thing is, is it what annoys me is these these people that are so up their own ass about it, and they. They just make this assumption that actually they know they know the industry better than you do. They know the rules better than you do. Then, like, I, uh, if you've ever listened to Fools with Tools, you'll have definitely heard Alan Brett taking the yes. piss out of me because I I used to work on the door. So I used to be a bouncer, and um, and the amount of people that would be like, oh well, you have to let me in because of this, or you can't kick me out because of that, or I'm entitled to this much drinking up time, or I've brought a drink, therefore you can't kick me out. Or I've done this. Like, no, actually, that that doesn't apply whatsoever. I can I can remove you from the premises using physical force if necessary for any of these reasons, and it can literally just be I don't like the look of you. Like that. That's it. I can kick you out for that. Um, like you, you, I owe you nothing just because you're a customer. And you know, there's there's several thousand other people in this town any one of them is going to replace you like your business is not worth that much to me and wow and people just don't realize that like i i think the the one that i always um love was i used to work at this this wine bar um it was a brilliant place it was um the the town that it was in all of the other bars and, and premises were kind of what we would refer to as a bit chavvy um so they're kind of what's what's chavvy uh so a chav is uh how can i put this delicately they are is is owner a chav oh my god owner is the definition of chav okay um okay they're kind of like slightly scummy people (laughs) oh i didn't know i didn't know oh i didn't know he was gonna say that scummy god i'm sorry Um, but yeah, no, like a, a, a chav is kind of like a a, a, a scummy person. That <laughs> you're painting quite a picture for poor dies in every film. He gets it hard <laughs> enough on the internet. Now he's uh, you know from podcast too. He he asks for it. Yeah. But um. But yeah, like every other pub and bar in this town is is not 
not a particularly nice place. It's not where you're going to take someone for a date. Let's just put it like that. Right. Um, whereas the wine bar was it was a little bit classier. It was the kind of place you can go for a date. Um, and you know, there's there's a bit of a dress code. There's there's a certain like level of clientele that we're looking for. Right. And, I understand. Um, and we used to have live music. Um, and so every like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there would be live music on, and there was an entry fee. Um, it just went towards paying for the band. It was like a couple of bucks. That's it. And it, it is literally just kind of it's it's almost just a way of stopping the cheapskates from from coming in. It's like it's not that expensive that you can't afford to get in, but it's the it, chav filter. Yeah, exactly. And um, and the that amount might of be, times that might be the that might be the the, the title of the episode. <laughs> the chav filter. <laughs> the chav filter. Um. But, so we, we would get these people that would come up and uh, they'd be there and they'd, they'd be dressed appropriately. Right. Um, and you say, I'm, you know, it's two pound to get in. There's like four of you, that's eight pound or whatever. Um, and, you know, I, we had the option that we could do people a deal. If there was a group of 10, we could maybe drop the price a little bit or whatever. Because um, like I say, it's, it's just this, it's like a token gesture sort of thing. Right. And, um, and the amount of people that would kick off and complain and their answer was oh what so you're not going to let me in uh you're going to miss out on the hundreds of pounds that i'm going to put behind the bar uh just for a two quid entry fee like if you're arguing about a two pound entry fee you are not going to put hundreds of quid behind the bar because you're yeah, a you cheapskate fucking ch- yeah you're fucking chav get the yeah, fuck out of here exactly. get the fuck out of here you chav you fuck and, and the thing is is they, they would like there was this people have this weird idea that because they're the customer that I have to be nice and polite to them. And like, no, if, if you're too cheap to pay two pounds to get in, I don't even want you in there. Go away. That is but crazy. You, you, you can't say that to me. I'm the customer. I, I can say whatever I want to you. Go away. It seems as though a lot of these people just are trying to draw a line in the sand and hoping that you'll stop at the line. Yeah. I mean, that's always what it comes down to. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a strange way of negotiating. It's yeah. a, it's actually, it's really like putting all your chips in on a, on a very very uh, low a low uh, a low scoring opportunity. Like you're not. I just I, I find it. I think I really honestly believe that communication is completely one hundred percent like a combination lock, and you're able to like if you have the right combination, you get in. Yeah. If you fight, if you don't, you're fighting it all the time. Yeah. And and I just. I'm always surprised at, at people who just like they don't use their heads and they take these very very low low <laughs> risk I mean high risk with lo- little reward uh, decision makings yeah you know yeah it, it, it just why I, I honestly don't know like it's it's almost like the this kind of almost like a bravado thing like right. your you know your uh again i think this is where i dislike the service industry thing it's like you're here to serve me therefore yeah. i can i can treat you like shit because it you're makes right. me feel better about myself and it's you're like, 100 percent right actually no no you can and i will quite happily tell you that to your face and i think that was one of the things like i, I don't want to sound like i'm i'm bigging myself up or anything like that but I one of the reasons why I was working at the wine bar and not at any of the other venues in town is because I I was very firm in what I would say, but I 
could express it eloquently if I needed to. Um, so for our clientele, rather than just grunting at them like some of the other door staff did, I was able to you know, converse with them and ask them nicely and or refuse them entry politely. But I I had a limit. And whereas a lot of the um, the door staff that I work with, they would reach that limit and just start pushing people away. Ugh. I was able to push them away verbally instead. Um, and like little things like, you know, if it's, if it's, if someone's kicking off, like one of the, um, the things that I was taught, uh, when I first started working in, in the industry is that, um, the, the bar manager or the restaurant manager or the, the, the venue manager's job is to make sure that everyone inside has a good night and every member of staff under that, un- under their manager their job is to make the manager's job easier. That's that's it. Doesn't that matter what like you a, do. That's it, a much better way of teaching people how to do a job. Yeah, like you, it's much one better way is to make sure that everyone has a good night. Like everyone's got a different function in that, but the end goal is to make sure that everyone has a good night. Um, the only exception to that was um, the security. Their job was firstly to make sure that the staff and the venue is safe, and then to make sure that everyone has a good night. Like the, they were the only ones that had a, a role other than ensuring the customer had a good time. Right. And um, but the thing is, is it's not the individual customer. If we've got a a bar with three hundred people in it, then if one guy is being a dick, then that one guy does not get to ruin everyone else's night. That that one guy gets told, no, you you're being a dick. You can you can carry on and be removed or you can stop and enjoy your night, but we are not letting you ruin everyone else's night sort of thing. I had um, a terrible, I had a terrible story about that real quick yeah. is when I was running the, this is like, and I was, I was not good at dealing with customers when things were bad <laughs> and I was not good when I had to be tough. And I remember when I was down at Alva, we had a, great bartender early great guy and he went ran an awesome happy hour and they were just like everyone was having a good time and if you were running a bar at this uh, at this place you were doing you were having a good night yeah and he and all of a sudden i started to notice i was working in the restaurant i what the bar was fine and then all of a sudden i got flagged down by the bartender and i and when i walked up to the bar i noticed that there was this huge gap in the middle of the bar and there's this one guy there and he goes jeff you got to get rid of this guy he is super drunk. He is super drunk. Yeah. He's being really, really rude and he's ruining my happy hour. Yeah. And it was like, why are you making me do this, dude? Why can't you do You're bigger than me. Why can't you do this? I, I really was at the last legs of just being like, I just don't want to deal with people anymore. Yeah. And I was like, what am I going to say? And I went back to the kitchen and I just turned to the chef and I was like, Scotty, if <laughs> just just be just keep your eyes on me okay just make sure that I, don't, I don't like that i said i'm not gonna just please yeah so i went up to the guy i'm just like you can tell that i'm like i'm like like being led to the executioner's chamber i'm just like so like i just don't like dealing with um any kind of like turbulence i don't like to deal with this kind of so i don't want to argue with the guy yeah I don't, I'm just not prepared for any kind of hassle and i just put my i just put my hand on his shoulder and i said hey man listen I hate to do this, but fun is fun, and we all like to have fun. But I'm sorry, you got to go. Yeah. And he looked at me, and he says, "I'm really sorry." And he walked away. <laughs> and from then, I was like, oh, 
that was unbelievable. Yeah. And then the bartenders from then on, it's getting, it's fun as fun, but Fader's here to tell you it's not that fun anymore. <laughs> so that was a fun as fun. We all like to have fun, but you got to go. So I got real lucky because yeah. it was, it was like, and then he was like very, I mean, he was drunk and rude and obnoxious, yeah. but I was like, so like defeated. I was just like, come on, man. <laughs> fun is fun. We all like to have fun, but you got to go. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I hate it. I, I hate confrontation. Ugh. I, I won't, What's I mean, worse than that? Yeah. I, I, I don't like doing it. And I, I certainly don't want to get involved in any fights. Like I'm far too lazy to, to, get involved in an occasion like i um if i can well, avoid I, a fight i will and you know of course they, they can call me whatever they want like i i don't care i just don't i don't want to have a fight and that like genuinely i've used that as an excuse to to get rid of people as well where they've been stood outside going oh, come on then i'll fucking have you no i don't i don't want to <laughs> it have is that is that a sexual is that a sexual come on come on i'll fucking have you is that uh, that's not no, a, a, no? okay <laughs> Um, I thought that maybe that was like some sort of chavy ch- <laughs> move. Yeah. It was with the chavy move, we're going to get you. <laughs> we're going like, to give I, it to you. I just feel like, no, that means I'm going to put down my cup of tea and walk oh. all the way over there. I don't I don't want to. You just go go and have your fun. Like, And being non-aggressive with, with them was always good. And and I, I always found that like actually talking to people and being nice is really disarming. When someone's trying to be um, aggressive, like actually being nice is, is the best way around it but like you, you said about uh going up to that guy and being like fun is fun but it's time to go that's very you sounded much more com- p.s you sounded 10 times more confident than i did i said it like <laughs> it was such a defeated like i can't believe you, you i can't believe you're making me do this why are you doing this to both of us yeah, you're doing but- this to both of us and i don't like it <laughs> but it's I, I was only confident because I, I had a radio that I knew I could press a button on it and I yeah, have no, ten other doormen from the venue next I door had a, running over. I had a I had a cook looking out of a out of a window, <laughs> you know, who was like twenty five, thirty-five feet away. I was gonna yeah. get I was gonna get fucked up before he even <laughs> came behind the line and I knew it was it was problems and river it was a bad situation. Yeah. But you know, I, here's what I here's what I wanna know honestly, honestly. No yeah. no we're talking about just it seems as though you have a new type of anger and it isn't face-to-face anger it's like it this online anger has just i mean exponentially grown to the point where when i'm on and this is another reason why i'm you know pandemic aside we got we got this political (laughs) season here in the united states which is so exhausting and lines have been drawn and you can't say one word on Instagram or Facebook without people losing their damn minds. And I'm wondering where, why, why we're finding this need to be, I mean, just so angry. So angry. I don't yeah. get it. And the, the, the stupid thing is, is everyone gets so angry and so aggressive. And it's, it's over like one, one single point. Right. Like one, one point of view or whatever. And it's not... It, it it drives me mad. Like I've completely given up on Facebook. Outside of the Fools with Tools group, I just don't look yeah. at Facebook anymore because, like, people will put their entire political beliefs behind one sentence or one meme or whatever. And it's like, no, there's so much nuance to it. And like, someone will say, well, you know, I I slightly disagree with that one thing that you've said. Therefore, your whole life is trash, and I hate you. Burn in a fire. Like it's, 
And it's always like they come up with these statistics. And I know these guys from high school. They were sniffing their jock straps in the, <laughs> b- b- during 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 math class, and all of a sudden they have these economic degrees, yeah. and they have they're bringing out these fat, they're bringing out their facts, and yeah. it's like, what do you do? Why? Where is this coming from? It's it's crazy. I want to see. I really, honestly, I, there's one guy, one friend of mine I went to high school with, and he's he's a lawyer in New York, and he's a super smart guy, very yeah. very thoughtful. He he's not liberal or Republican, Democrat or Republican. He's very down the middle, the yeah. way I am, and he's he takes parts and he's very. I enjoy reading what he says, and he gets into fights with other lawyers, and it's like the most highbrow deb- debates <laughs> you've ever seen. It isn't like calling people butthurt or calling people a snowflake you know not insulting it's all like this constitutional law and there and it's it's actually pretty interesting because you do you do pick up a few things but it's like i know these guys most of them are makers in business Mm. and they put themselves behind these points of view and they're driving customers away they're driving them away and they don't they, they 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 and they don't care this is who i am and fuck you i don't want your business anyway yeah, and it's like I just I don't understand it, and I feel like it's almost like this. I feel like this is slow. It's like smoking. Smoking. I always thought it was slow suicide. I, th- I feel like <laughs> a lot of these guys are doing very, very slow suicide. Yeah, and it, it, I don't get it. It's this weird thing where you like, and again, I mean, I I think I know. Uh, again, Anna was on. Um, uh, dies in every film was on the Axe and Iron podcast as well. I gotta hear that one. I'm, I, got, that's, that's, I downloaded it's in my it's in my queue. Listening to Roy try to understand what the fuck Honor is talking about is pure comedy gold. Um, but like he was saying, like so many people get so angry and they're they're so willing to shout at you and tell you you're wrong, and they they don't even know the facts. They're just they've decided that you're wrong, and they're right. just gonna throw all this vile vitriol at you just to say oh no you're wrong you're this you're that and everything else and just throw insults at you and call you a a snowflake or this or that or whatever and um and they would never actually say that to you face to face like one-on-one they would never but the thing is is it's because what you you saying that about your friend i i quite like because i love debate i would i love hearing multiple sides of an argument and being able to change people's opinions, whether that's someone else's opinion or my own, like being fed new information is is fantastic. And and having like um, debates, even if they are quite impassioned debates, is is brilliant. It's it's what pushes humanity forwards. But people on Facebook aren't having impassioned debates. No. They're saying this one thing is the most important thing, and if you disagree with it, you're trash, and everything you believe is wrong. And it's like, no, they're I going can... about it the wrong way. Yeah. They're all going about it the wrong way, and I, I agree I, with you. I, I I can disagree with you on you know the the best sandpaper or you know the the best grinders, which is obviously broadback, right? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I I can disagree with you on something, but that doesn't mean that I think that everything you do is trash. Like I, I'm still going to respect your opinion on other things. Like you can have a difference of opinion over. So what, what do you think? What do you think the core of where this comes from is? I'm, I'm afraid that I'm afraid that a lot of people are afraid of being humiliated. I think humiliation, especially childhood humiliation 
is way more traumatic than we realize. Hmm. And I think that being called out, especially in public, is yeah. the biggest part of humiliation. When you're a kid, what's your dream of your humiliating? Your pants fall down or your just dick yeah. falls out or, or you, you, know, you poop your pants or something, something <laughs> like you humiliating where everyone's pointing and laughing at you. Yeah. And now everyone is constantly in that se- in that in that setting of I'm going to I'm now I'm now the I'm now pooping my pants in front of everybody all the time. <laughs> and it's like they're totally they're everyone is guarded. Everyone is unwilling to say, you know what, you make a good point here. Or yeah. maybe I was wrong about this or I'd like to know about this or that was really interesting. Thanks for bringing that up to me. It's like all or nothing. And and it's it's so bananas that we've gotten to the point where every single thing is become a political, um, you know, one side or the other. Yeah. It makes no sense. And it's so counterproductive. Yeah. Counterproductive. Yeah. I, but I, it is completely 100% about childhood humiliation, I'm convinced. See, I, I, I find that a really interesting one. I'm not entirely sure I agree. I, I okay. get where you're coming from. Um, but... I don't know if it, it's about humiliation as much as just um, like there, a lot of people. Um, it's almost a, a, a self-confidence issue. Like there, a lot of the times when you see, especially on Facebook, you'll see people arguing about things they don't fully understand and they don't right. want to admit that they don't fully understand them. They've picked up on one or two key issues or key points and that's it that is absolute gospel there is no way that anything you say that disagrees with this can be true and they don't want to admit that actually maybe they they don't know anything it's not just about being humiliation it's being proved wrong okay and and what's the the opposite of humiliation uh domination right yeah that's the other part yeah people want to feel that Yes. Do, they want to dominate. It's it's 100%. domination and humiliation. Yeah. I'm convinced. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, and I think people that, want to like make people look stupid. Yeah, and a lot of that is because they don't get that. Um, like people nowadays, you you don't get that in your day to day life because there are there are so many people in this world. Like if you work at a if you work for a big company, like you are a, a you are one person in maybe several thousand and you don't matter and whether consciously or subconsciously people know that and realize that and it it affects them so they want to then go out and assert their dominance by shouting at other people and telling them that they're wrong like that i mean this is why i i was so unsatisfied in that it job because i realized that i am this this idiot that doesn't matter i'm just this number that is you know i if if I go, I'm just replaced by someone else the next day. Like it, there's, there's no um, like that role held no importance for me. Or I held no role, uh, no importance for that role. It was just I was filling out numbers, sort of thing. Um, and I think that's something that's severely lacking in where we are as a society now. The fact that yeah. people don't have a huge amount of importance unless you're out working. Um, working for yourself or you know you're working for a, a small business it's very easy to just become lost in that um that that mass of other people that work there and i don't i don't mean that as an insult to anyone that does work for a big company i've, I've done it for years and there's nothing wrong with that but for a lot of people that 
yeah, unless you're getting your um, your expression or your um, your satisfaction or whatever it is outside of that office or that job or that situation, then yeah, it's it's kind of depressing because it's just you're you're just a, a thing. You're a number. You're a, a a mark on a spreadsheet sort of thing. And Very sad. Yeah, and it it you know it's it's going to affect people, and they just want to counteract that by being like no i am important because this thing that i believe in is the truest thing ever yeah and- but they're but that that's diff- fighting for your importance is different from from that i think the the overall sport of domination and humiliation is different than trying to fight for your relevancy mm. i think it's different but i, I kind of wanted to ask i have i have a, I have, a uh, I have an admission <laughs> i've been low i've been loath to admit and uh, but I like it though. Anyway, um, I've been really through this. This podcast has made me a better interviewer for yeah. Knife Talk, and and it's because a lot of it's because I go. I, I read. Uh, I was. I have been reading Howard Stern's book. Uh, Howard Stern comes again, and he talks about how he changed interviewing styles because he went from having to be, you know, the guy in the spotlight, and then you're trying to, you know, show to actually listening to what people are saying yeah. uh, and just trying to interact, knowing who your person you're talking to is, understanding, have a good background, and then listening to their story and then interacting with the things that they're saying at the moment. So that's been working out great, but I felt like I needed a little bit more. I felt like the interviews need to be a little bit more, and this kind of dovetails into what we're talking about in terms of mm. social media and, and everything like that. So I was thinking, I need a little bit more sweet and salty, you know. I need a little bit more. I need more <laughs> laughing. I need more crying. Because I had a few. I had a few tears on a few different podcasts, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah, I think I need to kind of like get into that a little bit more. <laughs> so I happened to. I have, was on Facebook, and I saw an ad for. I can see you don't see these things called master class. This is online yeah. class about. So they had this guy on who's an FBI negotiator. I'm, I'm not going to buy this online class. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found out who he was and I bought it. I wanted to ask, let me see what this guy's book is about. It's all about, you know, negotiating can help you in regards to how you talk to people and how you yeah. interact. And maybe I can, I, I need to figure out ways in which to kind of be a better interviewer and stuff like that. I was like, maybe I needed to see what this FBI guy said. He maybe knows what to do. And that led me to this book called How to Manipulate People. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought it and I've been <laughs> using it. And it's, it, it tells you how to manipulate deceive (laughs) brainwash (laughs) uh, hypnotize and um control so i'm i'm reading this i read i've been reading this and i i've been i've been telling one of the funny things on knife talk is craig now he's got my he thinks he got my numbers anytime i'm trying to like (laughs) get someone to cry or get someone to be you know try to get some out of him he he immediately puts you know bucket of water on the whole thing but i was reading last night about mind control and I was reading about what, who, you know, where mind control comes from. And I'm noticing, that, and, and, you know, not mind control is advertising is mind control yeah. because they're trying to make you feel bad about the way you are now. And if you buy this, it's going to make you feel better about yourself. And yeah. everything has become mind control. And I'm not, and I'm looking, I'm reading the, it's like the checklist of all the things that are mind control. And, I, and one of the things that's on there is like the media, the media is, the media is, totally part of mind control yeah and i was thinking about it from the broadcasting standpoint you got a podcast and you're a podcaster and you talk to people and you you try to be engaging and all of a sudden it just dawned on me that this is mind control 
podcasting is mind control. And the reason why is, is I always used to think when I was in the shop by myself, I said, I'd like to listen to podcasts because I want to be kept company. Yeah. That idea of keeping company isn't being kept company is you want your mind controlled. So <laughs> there's a lot of guys out there, especially in the United States now, who came from broadcasting. And a lot yeah. of them came from Long Island, if you can believe that or not. Besides Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, you know, Sean Hannity, uh, Glenn Beck, these are like the big guys, uh, yeah. Bill O'Reilly. These are the big guys in, in broadcasting from broadcasting areas in, in the United States. Who Now they're on the global stage. And they all came from morning radio. They all were radio guys. Yeah. And same thing, Rush Limbaugh was a was a shock jock. It wasn't a shock jock. He was a lame Z morning zoo kind of <laughs> guy. And I'm fascinated because I've always loved these broadcasters because they have a magnetic, when you think about someone who's very magnetic or very charming or very engaging, that's mind control. Yeah. So it made me realize when, you know, what we're doing now, and I'm reading into this book, I'm getting ready. I'm hoping for a holiday hypnotize uh, episode where I'm going to try to <laughs> hypnotize the audience or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for some sort of a hypnotized holiday hypnotized episode, yeah. but I am fascinated by the fact that when you and I are talking right now, we are number one, we are mind controlling our listeners because they're no longer staring at, you know, they're doing, they're multitasking and then we're occupying their mind so they don't have to think about certain things. We're taking them away from something and we're manipulating them to a certain degree. I'm yeah. convinced that it's the same thing with Instagram and Facebook. It's giant mind control. And I'm not going to, you know, start being like Alex Jones, who was a shock jock. <laughs> this is P.S. Alex Jones. This is all a bit. He is 100% was a shock jock radio guy who needed a bit and he found mm. a bit. I, all you guys listen to Alex Jones think he's real. You, you guys don't know anything <laughs> about broadcasting. They're all of them, all of them, all, every single one of them had to find a bit and they all found a bit and that's why they're making their money. Yeah. And I'm fascinated because when I, when I hear some of these arguments online, I see the terminology, I see the words, I see the expressions that they're not original thought, that they're, that it's, they heard it from somewhere, they heard it from somebody, they heard it from something, they've repeated it, repeated it, repeated it. And it's this just this incredible degree of mind control to the point where now when I, I, n I never debate anybody, cause I just like, I, I'll write something. I'm like, what are you, what kind of bullshit? You, what are you going to, yeah. what are you going to get back at him for? You can't do anything. You can't, you, you're going to be terrible and you're going to look, you'll be humiliated <laughs> and you're going to wish you didn't write it. And then yeah. you're going to delete it and they're going to make fun of you for delete. Don't do it. Yeah. Just sell some shit and be done with it. <laughs> but now I kind of want to, I kind of want some of these guys to give their credentials with their with their notes, I want to know. I want to know where this, these people went to school. You know, yeah. I want to. Know, I want to know <laughs> that they didn't just grab it off a meme of Kermit the Frog drinking hot tea. <laughs> you know, or I just, I'm, I just feel like I want more from humanity. Yeah, is that but, too much to ask? But that, that's the thing is, is, so many of them are just regurgitating something that they've heard someone else say. That, that you know, they because they. They like that person or because they've agreed with one other thing that person has said yeah. they're going yeah everything they say is definitely true i can't think for myself because that that requires too much effort so i'm just going to agree with everything they say and 
that's it. And if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. You're the enemy. And that's but, that's that's part of the. I mean, I'm not going to go it, into. Though. But they put, love it. Yeah, and I'm not going to go. Into, it. I, I don't want to go too much into the political side of it, but that's that's what the media, to an extent, and that's certainly what politicians do: is they they create this us and them um, divide, and they make you think that oh well, if if they disagree with you on this one thing, yeah. then that means that they are the worst. We're, and we're sorry. Yes, it's, it's no. Sorry, I, I just gonna say like it, it's. It's a it's a very very powerful technique and it is being massively overused because it's it's not um, it's not being used for the the betterment of mankind or for the, oh, the no, betterment no, no, of society no. or anything like that. It is being used for personal gain and that that alone and it's well, it's horrifying. It's also it's also referred to this this kind of persuasion yeah. and manipulation and and uh, and. Uh, it's referred to as dark philosophy. Yeah. It's referred to as dark philosophy when you start to kind of like manipulate and persuade and, and you're, you're trying to get people to do what you're going to do. You trying yeah. to do it for your own big gains. It's not, it's not, it's all, all of it is, all of it is dark philosophy. It's fucking yeah. crazy. This book is like scaring the shit out of me. I read it last <laughs> night and I'm like, I don't know if I should read this before I go to bed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still on the mind control and I'm just about to get on the first episode of uh, the first uh, sample on how you start doing my mind control. So, so I'm not, after this episode, I'm not going to be talking about the book anymore because I want people, to, <laughs> I want people to kind of know if I'm trying to do any kind of persuasion or influ influence yeah. influence is part of uh, manipulation too, by the way. So yeah. if you are an influencer, you are part of the mind control movement. So congratulations yeah. on that. Well, I mean, <laughs> it makes you, you feel good. You don't even need to be a, a big influencer. If you work behind a bar or if you work in service industry, especially if you're in, I mean, I know over there, like you guys obviously, re like your your service industry relies on tips. Part of being a good waiter, waitress, bar person, whatever, is is about making someone like you. And you don't necessarily have to be completely honest in who you are to make that person like you. Same as being a... a, a um, a radio presenter or anything like that. Like you, you put on a show. You you put on yeah. a mask to to make this person like you. And you use those tricks. You use those those little bits of of influence. Like I I remember um, the same guy that taught me about um, being uh, the the manager being like the the one job is to make sure everyone has a good time. They used to say when you're behind the bar, you are on stage. Like you are putting on a, a stage show. It doesn't matter how shitty you feel at the time doesn't matter what your mood is you get on stage you perform and you make those people like you and yeah if if you're working on the door then you you, you make sure that that person that comes in that looks like they're going to kick off and be really nasty you have a laugh and have a joke with them when they come in you you, you know you you might take the mick out of uh one of the lads that they've come in with or you know ask a 40 year old bloke for his id because he looks so young um, yeah. or you know do whatever like you you find a way to to make them laugh and get on side with them because then when it does kick off later on and you've got to go speak to them they're they're not going to want to hit you because uh yeah but this guy made me laugh so he's all right he's he's like me and even if that person is the complete opposite of who you are you have to make that um you have to force that connection and and yeah th this is like small micro um oh no that's deception and manipulation. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're mind controlling that person. That is referred 100%. to as deception. Deception. That is deception, yeah. manipulation, and mind control. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And the, the thing <laughs> is, is people, I, I, I love that people are like, oh, yeah, but you'd never catch me doing that. I guarantee you, every single person that listens to this podcast has done something along those lines at some point in their life. And oh, dude, I'm, I'm about manipulation day. all the time. Yeah. Like, it's based on because I don't want to deal with the problems. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do and say whatever I have to in order for us to have a a meaning a meal a meaningful situation without it being difficult. Yeah, yeah, it, it's manipulation. It's part, it's part of um, part of life. We all we all do it to each other. It's just the yeah. fact that that it's being done on a larger and larger scale nowadays. Oh, you have no idea. I mean, you really. I mean, it's crazy. I had a I had a guy in the park. This guy, this guy is, he's fine. I, 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 now I've gotten to the point now, especially with everything going on. I have my route. I see the same people every day. I say, I say good morning to everybody because I think it's nice. I love when we were in Paris, everyone says bonjour. I love bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I loved it. My daughter loved it. Strangers are saying it to you in the street. Loved it. Thought it was great. So we're going to come home, walking the dogs. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. And there's one guy who's been known. He's a wacko, but he mm. always talks to my dogs. Likes likes my dogs. Fine. <laughs> we don't see eye to eye, but fine. Yeah. He's always testing me. He's always testing me. And he. This is a guy who said to me. He saw me wearing a mask. He goes, oh no, you're not going to be one of those guys, are you? And I had to. He says, my brother. My brother told me that it's all a hoax. Yeah. And I said, with with anger in my face, anger up to my back teeth, I said, well, your brother's an asshole. <laughs> and it was a very awkward situation. So I saw him again recently. And he he saw me again and went right into, he must have dug up some uh, statistics yeah. on COVID deaths from New York versus Pennsylvania. And he, you know, his COVID deaths in Pennsylvania are only 3,000. And the COVID deaths in New York are 8,000. Obviously, there's a, and I was just like, I just want to walk my dogs. But number two is stop it with, don't give me your, don't give me your bullshit uh, statistics because I know you just figured those out a minute ago. You're not a yeah. statistician, man. You're some dude in the park. And yeah. I, I don't, don't try to get me cause it's not going to work. I'm not yeah. playing this game. I'm not going to do it. And it was very, uh, it was ugly. And I said, I'm not going to, I said, you're a good guy. I like that you're nice to my dogs. But I'm not, this isn't for you. And this is yeah. not for me. We're not doing this. Yeah. You, when I'm not debating, why do you want to debate me right now? What, what, what kind of, what do you want to get out of me? And he was very ugly. I mean, you know, obviously I'm playing it up for the podcast. That's called manipulation. <laughs> I'm manipulating the audience right now. But I mean, it was a very ugly situation. I understand it. Yeah. I, I, but people, again, it goes back to this whole thing about people don't want to be proved wrong. No. I, I, I can remember, um, working at a festival a few years back um, when I was doing the, the blacksmith thing. <clears throat> and um, and we were doing a, a blacksmith knife demo. And um, there was a guy who was there. He was with his girlfriend and he was, he'd, he'd have a few drinks um, and was, you know, feeling a bit cocky and, and all of this. And, uh, and started telling us about <clears throat> how, oh yeah, but you should be making that out of Damascus. And, uh, and Alex was like, no, this is a, a mono steel blade. I was like, what, why aren't you making it out of Damascus? <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, just turned around and said, why, why should we? What, what, why should we make it out of Damascus? 
And uh, it's going, oh, because because it's the best steel. What what exactly is Damascus? What what grade of Damascus should we be using? What type? How many layers? How many this? What types of steel should be involved in? Right. What what is Damascus? And started just asking him all these questions. It's nonsense. It's, yeah, and he was just going, oh, but uh, yeah, yeah. D- Damascus is the best. It it comes from. Um, it's, it's ancient steel, and no, yeah. the, the Damascus you're talking about is completely different. And then he he went off and he came back, and and then he was like, oh, I want you to make me a hammer, okay? I want you to make me a Damascus hammer for this. Why? Why? What's why? Why do you want a Damascus hammer? Oh, because it's the best steel. No, it's it's not for what you're talking about. It's no, it's not probably like, the worst steel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The, the reason people like Damascus is because it's pretty. That's right. it. If you want a tool to be used, then it's... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to start going on about the whole Damascus debate, but like it, it's this, this weird thing where people, they get one or two facts and they, they hear something and then that's it. They, that, that's gospel to them. They don't like to um, be told that they're wrong because people... It's this weird thing of... Um, yeah, if... if if you're told that you're wrong, then somehow that belittles you or something. And it's it's not. If people were were more open to being uh, to new ideas and things like that, they they'd find that they got much further along. Like I I love finding out that I'm wrong because it means I've learnt something new. Like, but people don't see it like that. They see it as oh well, if I'm proved wrong, then that means that I've been insulted somehow. And it right. it's uh, it. It's very, it's interesting because I'm, we have, you know, you and I are similar in the sense that we have, you know, we're in the blacksmithing community and we're a little bit more, uh, we, there's more of a spotlight on us than, mm. than others. I, and also because being on Knife Talk, we get so many questions that I don't even, I don't know any of it. I, I <laughs> honestly, honestly, I base, I mean, my complete involvement on this show, I did not give them a resume. It's yeah. because I'm pretty good on the mic, and that's yeah. what, and, and, and and I can string some words together, and I actually do make knives. And the only thing that I will say is, this is what I do. Yeah, I'm not, and and once in a while I'll dip my toe into something. I heard this guy does this, or I heard this guy does this, but I'll never say that I know. And and I, I think it's also I'm also one to say I, don't, I have no idea and then usually <laughs> what i'll be more dismissive and say nor do i care that's yeah. <laughs> usually that's a manipulation too because i want you to think that i i'm a little bit thoughtless yeah. now, and it, it is, isn't really manipulation it's i am a thoughtless but the funny <laughs> thing is is the funny thing is is we get people to slip in our dms all the time to yeah. ask us questions is just not going to be good on the podcast like when we do knife making questions there's questions that these guys come up with that some of them are they're just they're questions that they want to hear mm. answered but there won't be good conversation for us to have on the show yeah but they'll be very intense and then i'll you know I'll keep writing every thursday or something like that we need more dms and then i'll get these messages because i already gave you a question and you didn't read it and it's like well obviously you don't know yeah and i got one today and i'm going to be vague and it was like is this what's the difference between this and this and I and I was like, and I gave a quick answer because this is not going to be good on the podcast. And then uh, he's like, "Well, you didn't answer my question. How about how about you uh, give me a hand here?" And I was just like, "Listen, fucking guy, we give a we give a two hours a week for free. Yeah, we answer as many questions as we possibly can. And now we're like a concierge service. Like sometimes, sometimes instead of if we have a quick, if one of us is on there, we have a quick answer. Like 
if this is a question directed to Craig about you know lasers or computers, it might not be the greatest of questions to talk yeah. about for five minutes or so. We'll just kind of give our answer on the thing, and then all of a sudden it's literally like concierge service. But some of these guys are so goddamn ungrateful, <laughs> ungrateful and really informal, really yeah. informal with us that it's just like, I don't think I want to be helpful, and then I want to get angry, and then I want to snap at them. I want to snap at him, and then I want to be a total dick anonymously and then put my name as somebody else's. I've I've said, I've yelled at someone and said, this is Craig Lockwood. (laughs) Deception. That's a deception. (laughs) Oh, poor Craig. Because I know whenever you guys put up, like, uh, send us your questions and things like that, like, I I will occasionally drop a a question in there, and it's not normally something that I particularly want answering it's just like this might actually be a good question like there might be a good conversation from this like and that's why i pick yours and i usually use yours multiple times because it, it's spur <laughs> it's it, i did i used yours not only last week but this week because it worked perfectly yeah people don't people don't people don't really that's the thing it's they want their answer not how do we make this podcast better what ultimately yeah. it ultimately it isn't their cho- it isn't their responsibility for making our right. podcast better. When we started doing, hey man, can I ask you a question? And started doing it. It was a way for us to get involvement. And you want to know, you want to really know manipulation. And I, when I came up with it, I know <laughs> you want real manipulation. I'll tell you, it's a manipulation. I know people want to hear their names on the podcast. Yeah, I know people want to listen, and they say, oh, he said my question. He said my name. And I kind of took advantage of that. And I said, let's just do as many of these as you can. I didn't say it. To cra- I didn't say this is a vast conspiracy for the yeah. knife talk. I was just like, these guys want to hear their names. We'll get their questions out. It'll be good for conversation. Make sure we get their names. And we always get the names wrong, which makes it even worse. <laughs> but it is a degree of manipulation. Ben Jabin Cocker. <laughs> ben- there, there will never be. If you listen to, you got to listen to, There's, I don't remember what episode it is of Knife Talk, but I know that it is hour and 15 minutes in, and we made a, we were saying someone's name, Benjamin Coker, and Mareko, he had a, I don't know what he had, he, had some, he just misspelled, he misset it, but it was the, it was, he called, he said it was Benjamin Cocker, and it was one of the greatest moments we'll ever have, there, there will never, we will never have a laugh like that again yeah. on the podcast. And it almost made me <laughs> sad because our best moments are never intentional. No. Like we had, we just had Jason Knight on. He was awesome. It still wasn't as good as Benjamin Cocker. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, no offense to Jason, <laughs> Benjamin Cocker was the most funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah. But you can't script something like that. It's you just, can't. It, you're hoping. You're hoping. hilarious. God damn, Benjamin, Benjamin Cocker so good. <laughs> that was literally like, John Ariani, who's texting me right now, said to me that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard on the radio ever, <laughs> ever, and it really was. Yeah. I mean, that, so, that, what's the next step? What's the next step? What are we gonna What are we gonna do now? What's What are we doing now? Well, on the the podcast whatever. or in general, whatever in general. In general, I I have no idea. Like, I mean, with with regards to to me and where my life is going, like I'm. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. Like I, I love my job. Uh, I I love the people I work with. Right. I, yeah. I, I I mean, we're the business is going forward. I mean, I. It's a weird situation because it's 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 Alex's business, um, but I am one hundred percent invested in it and invested in the the 
the future of the business. Like, right. it, 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 one of the things I was thinking when you were saying about people, like about us both being blacksmiths, being well-known, having a kind of spotlight on us and all this, like it, it always makes me laugh that um, on Instagram, I've got X amount of followers and right. it's so many more than Joe who is the other guy that works with us at, at Alex Paul Ironwork. Right. Um, and Joe is by far and away one of the best smiths I know. He is yeah. fucking fantastic. Like, he is so far beyond my level. I am not a particularly good blacksmith. Like, and I am the first one to admit that. I can I can heat some metal up and hit it, but I'm, I'm mediocre at best. Um, Joe but that's is, the best part. That's the yeah. best place to be. Yeah, because it means I get to to keep you keep learning. learning. Yeah, yeah, he's like a young Cliff Dufton. Yeah. that's what I called him when I met when I looked at his shit. I was like, <laughs> "You're a young Cliff Dufton, aren't you?" It really is. Yeah, but, but that that's the thing is like it it it's I find it so funny that um that this uh, public attention is not based on the the skill level. It's based on this this interaction, um and. And I, I did have a link for how this goes into the next part of the conversation, but I... Okay, go ahead. I, I, no, I've forgotten it. Okay. Um, so I'm well, just going to go gonna jump straight into it, to it. And like, say, like, I I love being invested in this business and I'm yeah. so uh, so excited about the things that we've got coming up. And I, I will work every hour I can to make sure that Alex's business is a success, but I would never want to run my own business. Like, and why not? Because it's oh my god! Can you imagine running your business without? Tony? I do. Without yes. Tony? Oh no, no, exactly. No, but here's the pro. Here's the difference, though. I, I mean, yes, it, it, we, the, but that's the, <laughs> but that's the, but the, now that I, because I have Tony, it's made my life easier. Yeah, and and that's the thing is I I don't want to go and have a I I don't want to have to deal with the stress. I want to I. I couldn't come up with um, a business that I am as passionate about as I am with Alex's business without just straight up copying what what this business is already. Right. Like, and the things that we've got coming up, like, I I'm, I consider myself so lucky to have fallen into this job where, yeah, you know, we make stuff that um, I'm passionate about. We work with people that I like. Like, I get to meet some just incredible people, um, and. Uh, yeah, I've 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 gone off and I've done my own thing a little bit. I you know I started the, I I did a few YouTube videos as Moonshine Metalworks and things like that, and that got me to meet other people. And then doing the podcast, I got to meet more people. And you know I, I came over and if it wasn't for uh for my connections, we wouldn't have gone to uh to Jimmy's, which means we wouldn't have come down and met you and right. and and all of that. But I, I know that I'm so much better off applying those um those connections and and my ability to be able to make connections and use that towards alex's business and use because we have this discussion all the time about the fact that we've all got different skills and talents within the job like the three of us that work there so alex joe and me we all have um different skills and abilities and it's the the great thing about where we are now is the fact that there's no ego at all like i have absolutely no ego i i have no desire for people to say oh yeah but you're a better blacksmith than joe because i know i'm not and at the same time joe doesn't mind when people say that i'm a better teacher than he is because it's it's just a statement of fact and and there's no ego behind it um but it means that rather than me 
being really good at making connections and uh, teaching people, but actually making shit products and not being able to come up with any new ideas. I'm working with two guys that can do that. And then Alex has got his skills and talents and Joe's got this. And, and it just means that we're able to really utilize um, all of our skills and talents to make something that's far better than we could do on our own. Well, it sounds as though you got a good thing going and you have your own place. So you can't sit in a chair and go to sleep and then they say yeah. good job today. Exactly. You, know, you have value based on you know your different role in that spot. Yeah. And, and look, that's why I left. That Look at that. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, you literally, but the funny thing is, is like listening to your whole story. And I want to know where the Moonshine Metalworks came through because Moonshine isn't one of those things that you normally think of as from the UK. And I have another question, but first, and don't derail me. I'm just kidding. You can derail me. Go ahead. That's mind control. I was manipulating. <laughs> what up? Uh, so where did Moonshine Metalworks come from? So... Uh, the kind of brief story is um, I used to be re- I, I say used to I, I'm really into to hot rods and things like that I've got a, uh, a hot rod pickup that has been in my garage for the last seven eight years and I'm slowly working on um, I used to go to a lot of car shows and things like that and I, I take photos I've always been into photography and um, and at the time I brought myself a, a semi-decent camera and started going out shooting and um i used to really enjoy taking photos of cars and i went to a couple shows and some people who owned the cars had seen some of the photos that i'd taken and asked if you know if i was on instagram or if i had a website if they could buy the prints and i was like uh yeah sure here's my email address that i've had since i was 15 that's dumb sort of thing like i was like shit i need to come up with a, a better name for for this um so I ended up coming up with the uh, Instagram handle uh, Hillbilly Voodoo, which was completely random. It's just because I, a lot of my friends refer to me as a bit of a redneck, um, just because you know I, I grew up on a farm. I'm, I drink scrumpy, which is what's that? Uh, so I don't really know if there's an American version of scrumpy, but scrumpy is rough cider, so it's. It's cloudy, flat, still, fermented apple juice. Oh, that um, sounds fucking terrible. It's it, it's not fizzy. No, God no. Oh, if if cider is fizzy, Christ. then don't fucking drink it because it's what. Shit. Yeah, so, cider should not be fizzy. Cider should be flat. Cider should be slightly cloudy. If it's got lumps in it, it's even better. Um, lumps. Yeah. The fuck kind of twenty? Is that scrunchy? <laughs> That's lumpy. Yeah. Lumpy, lumpy, flat, yeah. fermented so scr- apple cider? So scrumpy is... Fuck uh, this. It's a traditional West Country drink. And like West Country for... In the UK, West Country is where all the farmers and yokels and all that are. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I'm I'm from. And, and scrumpy is kind of looked at as being that sort of... Uh, the kind of drink that the English... And they call it next. scrumpy? That's normal? Yeah, yeah. So you've got cider and you've got scrumpy. Cider is the generic term for alcoholic apple juice. Um, And scrumpy is... The name scrumpy originally comes from scrumping for apples, which is basically (laughs) stealing apples from the village sort of thing. Um, (laughs) And and scrumpy is 
traditionally scrumpy is just kind of like any apples you could get hold of juice them and turn it into alcohol that's it it doesn't really matter what it tastes like nowadays it's a little bit more refined but it's it's kind of more traditional cider than what you would get in your local pub sort of thing um and it tends to be kind of made on a on a farm in the middle of nowhere and you know there's there's a place near me that um that i will occasionally go and get cider from and uh and there's a sign on the road that's just a hand-painted sign that just says cider and you kind of follow this uh sign you go into a farmyard and there's just a sign that says beep horn for cider so you beep, beep your horn oh i thought you said beat horn beat, <laughs> beat, i thought you said beat porn <laughs> no, definitely like, not what the porn. fucking <laughs> just getting some scrumpy with the beat porn go so, ahead so yeah you beep your horn um you get out your car and uh, a minute or two later this like a hundred year old woman comes like hobbling out and she leads you into this old like barn that's probably older than the united states mm-hmm. um and you go in and there's three massive uh wooden barrels like do you know how big a hogshead barrel is i'm assuming it's big it's it's like the size of a small car um wow so it's these three massive hogshead barrels filled with scrumpy filled with scrumpy and it's dry medium or sweet and that's it oh um, god it's it's, it's like usually... how do you like your urine that's yeah, like, what it, you yeah it lo- that's what it god. looks like jesus uh, cloudy like, lumpy scrumpy yeah seven or eight percent proof um and okay that's not that's not terrible uh, that's, that's, well, no, sorry. That sounds, it's Se- seven or eight percent abv which is uh like 14 to 18 percent ABV. Oh, so you, you're gonna fucked up on some scrumpy. Oh fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this isn't like your fucking so which do you <laughs> do you go for the sweet, medium, or dry? Dry. The drier the better. Oh god, it's gotta be even worse if it's yeah. dry. So good scrumpy should make your jaw shrink a little bit. Oh god. It's, and it's gotta oh. make you have like massive diarrhea. See, this is one of the things. Is that that's what everyone thinks is that you get the the shits after drinking scrumpy. But I've I've, I've never <laughs> Come on, that. man. Get the fuck but, out of here. Come on. Man. This is not a humiliation thing. You can cop cop to it. You had the trots. You had the trots <laughs> when you drink. You get to drink too much scrumpy. You get the trots. If if it's bad scrumpy, then yeah, you definitely get the trots. <laughs> I don't think any of it's good. So <laughs> I think I, I think I'm just gonna be drinking it on the toilet and not. Or I, you know what? Fuck it. I might just pour it into the toilet and save. <laughs> myself the aggravation of the toilet paper i mean like I say, it, it looks pretty much the same on the way out oh, so. it looks so it sounds terrible it it's sounds terrible fucking delightful but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so all right so it's good thing you weren't scrumpy metalworks which wouldn't <laughs> exactly. have been which would not have been the worst name in the world ps yeah but uh but yeah so anyway um so i i, I had this hillbilly voodoo um instagram account and yeah. um and when I started doing the blacksmithing, I was like, well, I need a, I need another handle. I, part of me wishes that I'd stuck with just like Steve House Blacksmith or something like that. But I do like the brand. I like the t-shirt. I like the, the yeah. logo that we came up with. And um, because I wanted to kind of keep it related to the, the Hillbilly Voodoo stuff, because I, yeah. in my head, I was still going to do some, um, some car photography and things. And so I wanted to keep it kind of under the same umbrella. And um, so we tried to think of a name that, that matched it or that that was somehow related right and i love alliteration anyway so the fact that it was moonshine metalworks it, was, it just worked and it rolled off the tongue and 
it just made sense. That's great. All right, next question. Now that we're getting into it, yeah. What is the difference? Because I Craig makes fun of me all the time because in <laughs> Morocco too, we just don't know. Yeah. So what's the difference between being English and being British? So, England, so who would be English and who's British? So British or Great Britain is right. uh, England, Ireland, or sorry, England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, um, and being English is just being from England as opposed to the UK. So the the way to kind of um, think so, about but you it, could be British and English. Yeah, yeah, you could be British and Welsh. You could be British and Scottish, but you cannot be Welsh and English. Um, like if you ask anyone from uh, Ireland, Scotland, or Wales who they're supporting in the rugby, for example, then they will say whoever's playing against England. Like we are by far and away the most hated uh, country in Europe. Um, in and, Europe? And kind of in the world. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I can name one. I can think I can name one. Might be worse yeah. than yours. But uh, but yeah, like we're like we're we're the country that everyone loves to hate. Um, yeah. And a, a lot of that is kind of just because we give each other so much shit. Like I mean, I've one of my best friends uh, is, or one of my really close friends is from Wales, and we constantly give each other shit just because that like because he's welsh um and like saying things like oh yeah but wales is just a it's essentially just a large county still part of england that really winds them up um and you know there's there's so many little things like that and it's just this age old rivalry of it's almost like siblings so uh me and my brother for example we will fight like cat and dog. We any excuse we can find to, you know, trip the other one up or push him into a pond or just flat out hit him, we're going to find it, sort of thing. Um, but if anybody else was to to try and do the same, then you know we'd stand shoulder to shoulder. Same as you know, if I'm if I'm in the pub with uh, with my Welsh friend, I will constantly berate him about being Welsh here, constantly berate me about being English. We'll go back and forth and back and forth. But if Wales as a country was in trouble, then I would like to think that England would be there to to help out. It sounds like it sounds like there's a little bit it's a little more good natured ribbing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um I mean I'm sure if you asked someone from Wales that they deny that there's any good ribbing in, involved and it's all just pure hatred, but that's the Welsh for you. All right, well, I have some questions from uh, one of the number one English listeners. <laughs> Dies in every film sent me some questions, and you can answer these. Owner Caglar, if you're not following Owner, I mean, I I wanted to get him on soon, but he just yeah. went on. He gone. He gone on everybody's podcast. I got to back up. We're, and just to let you know, <laughs> I got a message from from Steve. Steve was going to be on before, and then we had to back him up for some reason. So he was on something else, and then he was mad. You were mad at me because I had Ben Snur on before. You had on yeah. your show. <laughs> so we're all. We're, it's just a very incestuous. All the podcasters are all very incestuous. Yeah. And, I, and I know that uh, uh, Dies in Every Film was just on uh, uh, Chris Cash and. and Roy's uh, podcast, uh, yeah. the Axe and Iron podcast, and if you're not following owner, I, I, him, that whole family of his, 
That his son of his, that, that son makes me crack up every single time. I love Rico. He's amazing. He, uh, t- he, 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 he's this kid is, is a happy family. It's a happy <laughs> family. And it's a great to see. And, uh, but he sent you some awful questions. So I'm going to read them to you. And you can just, they're, they're not flung ones. And we're going to read, we're going to read the room because the last one's a little bit intense. But I'm going to, we're going to see, we're going to see how it goes. Okay. Okay. So the first question, this is questions for Steven. This is from owner Kaglar, <laughs> dies in every film. What makes French toast French? Uh, the fact that... It, it, go uh, ahead. Uh, I think it's an Americanism that is French toast. Yeah. Because I, I think it was like, uh, what's called like a pan... Uh, there was a, a pan Purdue. As pan Purdue is what it was in back back in the day. I think if you get it in France, you get it in pan Purdue. So but French like, toast is French. So French toast, Amer- am, I, am I right in thinking that that is bread that's been soaked in egg and then fried. Yeah. yeah, see, right. I, I would call that eggy bread. And okay. I don't put powdered sugar on it. Sugar on it. It's okay. eggy bread. Um, eggy bread. That's not a good, that's not a, not an appetizing way to call <laughs> I would definitely stick with French toast. Yeah. <laughs> but if, but, the, but UK food is, my, my wife, when we were in the, in, in Winchester, we saw, she, she wanted to know what a, uh, it was a sandwich. It was called a buddy with a hammy butt. Hammy butt or butt hammy, it was like a butter, butty. a buddy, yeah, a hammy butt or a buddy ham. I don't remember what it was. It was just like this is not. They're not going to move this one off the shelves, you know. <laughs> the next question is, what would you rather be? What would you rather be or a wasp? A bee or a wasp? <laughs> yeah, he but he said it away. It says, what would you rather be or a wasp? He's being clever. Let's just skip that one. Silly. Um. Which charity shop did you get your clothes from? <laughs> <laughs> See, the the thing that owner needs to remember is that I yeah. live in the south, where you know we can actually go out and buy new clothes. Oh, that's a dig. That's a dig at him, oh, huh? Yeah, there's a big north south south divide in the UK. So where is he in regards to where you are? Uh, he is. Um, he's about four hours north. Like he's. Oh, he's north. He's, nor- he's very north. Yeah, he's northeast. Um, okay. So, to me, anything north of Bristol, which is about an hour north of me, is classed as the north. Right. And anything east of Southampton, which is about an hour and a half east of me, is London. And okay. they're both shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Chavs are us, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. The, the next question is, do you tie your hair up before a poo or just wash it after? <laughs> you, uh, if definitely. you don't know, Steve's got long hair. He got, when was the last time you cut your hair? Uh, the last time it was short, I was like 16, I guess. Yeah, he had long hair. Yeah, it's, it's below my belt. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely tied up before. There we go. So <laughs> there are the questions. There's a couple other questions, but they were just like, you know, it's going to be just like this. Kind yeah. of one, one was, uh, are you still subscribed to, I'm listen, I'm saying knitters, knitters monthly. Are you subscribed to <laughs> knitters monthly? And then the last one, which was unfortunate. I didn't know I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. He said, what is it like being Kathy Bates's body double? That was, <laughs> that was, that was a rough one. And I want to, I want to end on a story that made me think of is I, I, uh, I, I, it, 
I usually get called in in the family when it when it when someone someone dies. Mm. I've been known to be called in to to write to read the eulogy because yeah. I try to make it. I try to make jokes. I'm very thoughtful and try to make jokes. And my, when my uncle passed away, I guess someone was ten years ago or something like that. They called me and they said we, we want you. I spent a lot of time with him. He's a great guy and he, whatever. So he also was. He and I watched baseball together and I wrote this big eulogy and you know his part of his treatment there gave him steroids and. We were. T- it was about. It was all about him and our watching a baseball and all this stuff. And it was. And and at the end, I made a joke saying he always knocked it out of the park. And, and then the last line was obviously because he was on steroids. And yeah. this was in the middle of the steroid baseball thing. Yeah. And it was. And it was funny, but a little bit edgy enough that it was just like I don't. So I went to the family, and I said, I got a. What do you is this okay? He's like that he would love it if you made a joke. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, he knocked it out of the park because obviously he's on steroids. And then I had to call an audible in the middle of it because it was all these old Marines and everyone was very and these old women yeah. and the all these and and I just had to like at the very end, I had to pull a joke because I was reading the room. I wasn't getting and I had a few other jokes. I wasn't getting anything. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm not gonna go out on like a what kind of piece of shit is this guy? <laughs> so I, I was the the Kathy Bates joke. I was I was like I was like this reminds me of that I, I got to read the room and see if that's gonna work or not. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was a bit because uh, he he had messaged me to say that he'd uh, he'd sent you a load of questions and they were far tamer than I was expecting. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> no no one wants to hurt anyone's feelings on this podcast. Yeah. I'm trying to manipulate you, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad. <laughs> With that said, Steve House, Moonshine Metalworks on Instagram. This was a pleasure. If you're not following Moonshine Metalworks, you're making a huge mistake. He also is part of The Forge, Alex Pole Ironworks. He does the YouTube videos, the best YouTube videos for instructional <laughs> blacksmithing there is that you don't have to pay for. It's like it's. I'm waiting for more. That his. If you want to learn how to forge, a, if you know how to blacksmith, you want to see the process of forging a bearded axe or an English style axe or whatever uh, forest axe. You go over there because they do a great job. I'm Thanks, glad you're here. And he's also. If you want to hear more from Steve, you got to listen to Fools with Tools podcast with Brett McAfee, or as you say, Brett McAfee <laughs> and Al from Al's Hack Shack. Some good dudes right there. And I'm really happy that you're here. I really appreciate you being on with me, Steve. We'll do I, this again. I, I'm so thankful to be on. I'm, I've loved it. It's been great. Well, I know I got to get your boy. Brett's been chomping at the bit. Yeah. He, he wants to come on. And, I, and I, you just to let you know, Brett, I've been told that, that Steve said he had to go before you. So <laughs> that, that's not my fault. So I'm gonna get you on, but unfortunately, Chris Cash <laughs> said he got to go next. So uh, you're gonna just have to understand that I will have you on. I promise. <laughs> so thank you once again, everybody. Go over to um, on Instagram while you're there. Go over to the Full Blast Podcast on Instagram and uh, give us a follow. You can interact with the show. You can send us dilemmas or questions or whatever, whatever you want. And then I need you to go. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go to iTunes. I need you to go to iTunes and I need you to just hit subscribe. And I need you to give me a five star review. And I need you to give me a nice review. If you say something nice, helps me out. We got to pay some bills and and uh, this thing ain't cheap. And we got to get this ball rolling. So, with that said, Steve House, Moonshine Metalworks, you're the best. Thank you once again, and uh, you know, keep keep doing your thing. I will, man. Thank you, and keep keep up with the podcast. This thing's been great. I appreciate it. You're too kind, and I'm going to keep manipulating you. <laughs> Just keep listening. Ugh. All right, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
or I mean Friday. I mean, <laughs> the next week or something, we'll figure it out. You'll see us when you see us. Don't worry. I got you. I'm, I'm with you, man. Oh. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.